Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It is Thursday, February 3rd of 2022. This is Michael doing another show by myself. Robin, my co-host, is on hiatus for some uh, some time away from social media and, and this kind of stuff. And so we're doing some shows in her absence. And so our guest today, I'm going to pivot right to our guest. Uh, our guest is Florence Sterling. Florence, welcome to Drive Through HL. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Um, I was in Atlanta for a couple of days, first business trip of the year. Flew out early this morning to get back into Florida where I live, and uh, it's warm here. It was cold when I left, and I know it's all relative because I think you're in the Chicago area. So it was cold by Florida standards here when I left, and it's 80 today. So it was kind of nice to come back oh, that's to the, great. The, <laughs> the, the, the sunny climb because I suspect where you're at, it's, it's pretty chilly today um yeah my my parents are in florida and my dad was complaining it's in the 40s i'm like oh you poor baby it's yeah like you spent 40 years living in chicago <laughs> yeah i know i looked at your i looked at your family business website and i love i've done that architectural tour of chicago river and downtown chicago many times and i love the shot you guys have as your as your at the top of your page with all the raised bridges and stuff that was really cool um so let's start there um, tell us, uh, introduce you by name, but tell us about Florence and what you do. Tell us about your family business and what your role is there and all that kind of stuff. So my name is Florence Sterling, and I am one of the co-presidents of D.B. Sterling Consultants, located in Chicago, Illinois. And as you mentioned, one of our fun projects is uh, the day-to-day maintenance of the bridge, uh, the bridges in Chicago. We have a lovely employee, Tony Bertillo, who has been working on that project for, well, we won't age him, so we won't stay. Um, our firm <laughs> does a lot of municipality work in the city, uh, a lot of work for the city of Chicago, state of Illinois. We're local to Chicago. Uh, the firm was started by um, my father in 1997, and now I'm about to age myself. It was my senior year of college. He just paid that last tuition bill, and he said, okay, enough. We're moving on. <laughs> Uh, he always had a dream of starting his own business, and that was the time. So we are actually hitting 25 years this April uh, of business in Chicago. So it's kind of exciting, exciting time. Yeah, congratulations. That that actually, um, I mean, Chicago is like a tough. It's a, it, you know, it's I grew up in Detroit, and I've visited Chicago many times. So those, those Midwestern industrial cities are especially when you're working in like engineering and building and construction. They're kind of tough places to the crack markets and stuff. So that, that's kind of a big deal. Um, so you guys, you guys are, you guys do this, um, you guys do this, the construction engineering consulting thing, uh, family owned business, as you said, with your dad, um, your backstory, um, is that you took over that business or as you said, co took over it, I guess in 2016, being the, being the CEO of the family owned business must bring some really unique kind of uh, pressure. And, uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't exactly know what to call it. 
pressure and maybe problems that you have to confront. Uh, how, how how did you make that transition? Also, you're not an engineer, right? So you've get, you're you're running no. an engineering company, but yet not an engineer. So let's kind of let's talk around that for a little bit. So fun story: when I graduated from college, I loved to travel, so I went to work for, for United Airlines, and it was an interesting time. Okay. First few years were amazing; it was like a big party. And then now I'm aging myself. Uh, September 11th happened, and the industry took a, a big hit. And it wasn't the same, and it just wasn't fun anymore. So my dad came to me and said, oh, go back to school. Very big. He's very big into education. Go back to school. I said, well, I can't afford it. If you come work for me, I'll pay for it. I said, okay, I'm only going to come work for you for as long as it takes me to get my master's. 20 years later, <laughs> I'm still here. I joined the firm to help him with the accounting because that was my, my love. I, I enjoyed doing accounting. And Within six months, I basically overtook the entire operational side of the business, which was funny okay. because at one point he had to remind me, you're not an engineer. You cannot design a bridge. Get out. You know, you need to stay in your lane." <laughs> <laughs> so we grew the firm. Him and I did a great job of growing the firm, getting it to a point. But he was older. It was time for him to retire, even though he'll disagree with me. We brought my sister on in 2012. She joined the firm, and she t- started taking some of the heavy lifting off of his plate. So between the two of us, my sister and I, we started running the firm, and he was basically just getting to show up and sit in his office and play Sudoku while she and I were running the business. Hmm. And then in 2016, we'll kind of gloss over the ugly part of the story, but basically I staged a coup. I told him it was him or me, but one of us had to go. <laughs> and so he said, I'm going to Florida. <laughs> Fine, I'm going well, to Florida where it's warm. Well, mom um, sold the house and packed up the furniture so he could stay in Chicago, but none of his kids were going to let him live with them. So. <laughs> okay. It was kind of a forced retirement. But it was at a time where it was good for the firm. We were growing. We had taken on some new clients, new projects, and it was a good transition. But interestingly enough, when we did take over, Regina and I took over as co-presidents in July 2016, we applied for our licensing uh, for the business, and one thing that came stuck out stuck out to the, the license board was, oh, well, you have two non-engineers running an engineering company. They questioned mm-hmm. our ability to run a business, and it wasn't that mm-hmm. we're not engineers because engineering is, yeah, it is the art of the business, but there's also the business art, the business part of the business, and they completely glossed over that. In fact, there's a document that says, well, Florence just worked at the airline. She doesn't know anything about running a business. And I spent, <laughs> at that point, I've been 15 years of running the business. And it was kind of insulting to be told by somebody who wasn't monitoring me on a day-to-day basis to tell me that I wasn't any, of any value to the business because I wasn't an engineer. So long story short, we fought. We were able to get our licensing back, but it was at a cost because – it's like, well, can two non-engineers run an engineering business? Yes, because it's not just the engineering. The question should be, can an engineer run an engineering business? Yeah. Not every Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not disparage engineers, but no. <laughs> uh, no, so, no, so, no, you so need that, them. You need them. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, I mean, um, my my brother who passed away a few years ago is younger than I, and he, but he was a he was a uh, HVAC person. There, so it's not the same thing. But he 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 did he did HVAC, and then he he started doing home building, 
and they had their kind of the same requirement that he had to somebody at the firm him or somebody at the firm had to be a licensed contractor with the, all the appropriate documentation background and that kind of thing and so of course as the owner he he got it himself and then um I don't know. He passed away in 2018. When he passed away, he had never he'd never brought anybody else in to pick up that 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 particular you know certification or whatever. I guess I don't know if that's the right terminology for it. Um, so his his business basically went from being very viable and thriving to not sellable at all because there was nobody there that could carry on and do the projects in his you know in, in his literal absence when he passed away. Right. So it, it, his business kind of crumbled in about three months because he didn't have that backup plan or that ability. So I, I presume yeah. you guys hire engineers that meet the criteria that, the, that so that you have people in the, in the, in the firm that are engineers, but not, not necessarily as the, the top leaders. It's, I hadn't really considered that. It's really, it's kind of interesting. Anyway. Um, well, the biggest challenge that you faced is, as you pointed out, is you have to, it's a team, it's a collaboration. Not one person right. can do everything. And if you think about the art of engineering, when you're designing the bridge, not one person is designing the whole structure. There's a team. So if we keep that mentality of engineering is all built around teamwork. So it's kind of interesting when we struggle, like trying to explain teamwork and collaboration and leadership, when the basis of engineering is teamwork. <laughs> Everybody exactly. has their specialty and you have to respect that. <laughs> it's not, it's not all just going back rooms doing CAD cam or now today, some other online uh, or some other electronic tool. Anyway, um, I wanted I wanted to talk about like your your entry into that leadership role. Um, so, I, I, I'm sorry, Alyssa, I think from from the PR firm shared uh, a fact um, that um, women of color, of which you are one. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the, I'm reading this from the from the, the info they shared. Women of color only account for only four percent of C-suite leaders in the U.S. right now, and are uh, promoted to managers to, to a manager role or managerial role at far lower rates and, than men. Um, so you've, you've you've entered into a, a role um, that not a lot of not a lot of people in general face, but even more significantly, not that not a lot of women of color currently hold. Um, so you had a family-owned business, all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about the experience of entering a leadership role sort of in that very small category um, and, and what, what kind of challenges that presented to you and how you, how you figured out how to overcome some of those challenges, whatever they may have been. Well, it's interesting. I was reading an article just yesterday about there's only two women of color in uh, CEO positions of Fortune 500 companies. And it's been up yeah. from one for the longest time. And it's quite right. sad because you look at it and it's like, but why? And one thing I was, I was talking to some friends about this and we were going back and forth. And I said, you know, there's this persona of the angry black woman. And one of somebody who I admire greatly, Michelle Obama, has pointed out, is like, when they go low, you go high. Don't let them bring you down. And I look at it and I said, instead of being driven, you know, being bogged down by this negative connotation that's associated with someone like me being in my position, I've chosen to just ignore and rise above and show my resilience and, you know, look at the warriors that have gone before me and paved the, paved the way for me to be sitting at this table. Part of the thing that I've learned is it's lifelong education and learning about myself, learning about others, and learning how to manage a situation. 
remember one time early early in my leadership career because it, it wasn't I wasn't always in the position I'm in now. I went to a meeting mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago, and it was quite funny because I was the only woman in the room with all these men because you know engineering is a very male dominated in- industry. And we were talking about contract language, and I'll never forget this. And this is just something that stuck out to me in all these years. I was carrying a red Prada bag. Don't ask me why I remember this, but we were sitting at the mm. table, and they were the city was trying to say that we don't have to pay you because this, that, the other thing. And the engineer, the manager was arguing, saying no, but our contract. And the guy was just like, well, do you know? And I'll never forget. In that big old red Prada bag, I had the 800-page contract. I ripped it out. I pulled up the page, and I said, and here you go. Here's the language. You cannot say no. You have to follow the contract. Because as the guy said, well, we're following the contract. And the look of the manager's face, he's like, um, so can I bring you to other meetings? Do you have that magic bag? <laughs> the contract. Did you help? Because then it was like, oh, so I proved that, like, it is, you know, we can all sit at the table together and accomplish, you know, a good thing. It doesn't have to be a woman or a man or it doesn't have to be white versus black. It just has to be, is this person capable of being at the table with the knowledge that they need to be part of the conversation? And that's how I try, I strive to be in this industry. I just ignore all the negative and, like, you know, because it is frustrating and it can wear you down. It is hard to get up some days because you go to work and it's like, oh, when I'm getting dressed, did I put on my battle armor today? Am I ready for everything that's going to be hurled at me? Because I constantly get questions and um, people saying, well, are you capable of doing this job? Do you even know? And so, yeah, you know what? I go and I educate myself and I learn and I teach myself what I need to know to be able to sit at that table so I can be part of that conversation. And I think that that's the biggest challenge that women face. It's like, don't let them drive you down. It doesn't matter if you're a woman of color or just a woman in general, because it is definitely something we face in the workspace. But I do think that women of color get a bad rap in general, because to your point, we just, we have to fight harder to sit at the table. It's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I know just yesterday, I don't want to go into sports, but just yesterday there was a big story in the NFL uh, where Brian Flores is, is file, filing a class action suit, you know, in 2022 over the hiring practices of the NFL. And it, it, it just, no matter how, how much progress or not we've made, it, it things still aren't where they need to be. Um, I, I guess um, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over that, that piece. I'm just trying to think about it. So in, in 2016, between since then and now, we've been through a lot of iterations of different kind of challenges. We've had the Me Too movement, we've had COVID, we've had uh, last summer's BLM um, oh. sort of countrywide. You know, there's tons of stuff going on, right? So, like, you know, it, I mean, that has to factor in in some way, not on a daily basis in your business, I guess, but also as a woman of color, like. How does that stuff roll through your your leadership role, or is it is it not as maybe not as much of a factor as I may imagine it is? So it's it's funny, and this is a double edged sword. This comment: women are maternalistic in general. Not every woman's maternalistic, but general. So my sister and I, being the co presidents of the company, the company very our culture is very much family oriented and family driven. So like. Our employees mm-hmm. know that we care about them, that we are, are worried about their well-being, that we, we look after them, because that's just our nature. During COVID, when we had to pivot and make sure that everybody was looked after and everything, I remember I was just 
saying this this morning. I said, I remember driving a laptop to an employee because they, you know, we, we didn't have enough when COVID first hit. And I brought pie because we needed comfort. <laughs> I remember driving around the Chicagoland area delivering food to my colleagues because I just wanted to make sure that they knew that we were connected and that I cared about them. You know, mind you, it was early days of COVID, so it was like, I'm going to leave this on a street corner. I'm going to park across the street. I'm going to watch <laughs> But, you know, we, we have a sense of, of responsibility for our employees. We want to make sure that their professional and emotional well-beings are being are taken care of in this, in this time. But last year, man, it was a difficult year. We were in the thick of it, downtown Chicago. Our office is located in the loop. And when the looting and the rioting and the protests were occurring and the guys are telling me that they're watching the police get beat up and should they be out there? And I said, run, Don't, I, your job is not worth <laughs> getting attacked. It's not, yeah. you know, there's nothing, you know, look after yourselves. And we made sure, but it was also a difficult conversation because being uh, black female owners of the business and having to address what we're watching in the news and what's happening in our nation, it was very difficult. But also you have to be cognizant of we, you, you can't be political. You can't political, politicalize it because it's like it's not appropriate. And it's like how do you send a message that, hey, this is happening? And what we, we said to the employees, it's like this is happening all around us. How do you choose to handle it is what is best for you and your environment. But just know that this is not like who we are and what we view. And it was, it was an interesting time to use the right words to say the right thing <laughs> because it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't um, a pleasant time. How I, I meant to ask earlier, and I just forgot. Um, how big is your company? How many how many uh, employees? We're hovering just at a hundred, because it seems like every time one okay. comes in, one goes out. The great great resignation is hitting us hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's I work at a company with two hundred twenty five thousand employees, and it's hitting us hard too. So it it's hitting everybody hard. But the, yeah, I mean that's a good sized family business. Um, that, that's it more is. than a that's more than a small business. It is. We've grown ahead, pretty you... significantly in the last couple of years. Steadily, we've grown. We keep adding. We're, we're heading. We're heading north. We're, we're we're growing in our numbers. We did take the hard stand to mandate the COVID vaccine. We had uh, clients mm-hmm. that were requesting it, and we had clients that actually mandated it. And we were just hovering around the hundred, and it was before all the act, the the lawsuits and all that. So we did lose some employees to that, but now we're we're moving forward. We're regaining new employees, and we're just we're we're gonna go into we're going into 2022 very strong. Gotcha. Um, we're down to about already, believe it or not, down to under 12 minutes. So we're more than halfway through. Our guest is is Florence Sterling. She's the CEO, co-CEO of DB Sterling Company, which is an engineering consulting firm in Chicago. And we're talking about her experience as a as a, a leader and in, in, in running a family business and being a woman of color. I'm just doing a little reset. So I want to pivot a little bit. You talked about, you know, caring for your family, caring for your employees and treating them like a family and communication and the words and all that. Um, I think during the co- during COVID, because everybody's now working at home or whatever, you you you, you're, you said that your your company's uh, kind of holding it in place and it's continuing the growth was driven by two things, collaboration and technology. So let's spend probably the most of the rest of our 10 minutes or so Talking about that, so let's start with the communication or the collaboration piece How, and communication. What did you do that that drove that? Besides delivering well, pie luckily, and computers. <laughs> <laughs> luckily for us, 
we've been using Dell Tech products for oh, 16 years now, 17 years. We've been okay. uh, we've been on the Dell Tech platform, which has been amazing because it's it is internet. It's um it's it's a server based unit that can be utilized by anybody from anywhere. So not being in the office and having access to paper files was no drama because we had everything in Dell Tech and it was easy enough for us to continue. Like it just basically you had a computer, you were able to do your work. We had added some um, other components to our repertoire over the, like right prior to COVID, we added um, an internet, which knowledge architecture that feeds from the Dell Tech data. And we also added Dell Tech talent management, which has allowed us to do some more um, engagement with the employees. Those, that suite of technology, if we had not had that in place, even though it was imperfect as it was at the time in 2020, we wouldn't have survived COVID because the, the knowledge architecture, the internet was allowing us to push out an update to all the employees fairly, fairly easy. It was syncing with the, the data. So someone wasn't having to manually make sure this was happening, but the blah, blah, blah. And the employees were able to like have a, like a kind of like a Facebook platform to talk to each other which made a big difference. And they were able to see new projects as they were coming in because the data was feeding from Dell Tech into to, to the, to the, like, we call it the loop is our internet. And they could see all the new projects that were coming through. So that really, really helped. And as well as with the Dell Tech Talent Management, we were able to roll out um, employee goals and performance reviews through that system, which in, required engagement between the employees and their supervisors. And because we were in a remote environment, it was the perfect platform for it to be done because they were able to go, okay, we did it on this day, we did it this way, without it being, oh, well, I wrote it on a piece of paper. <laughs> we didn't have any of that. So as much as I hated COVID, the whole situation, it actually forced us to move our business forward with the technology that we had in play that we just weren't utilizing properly. Now, fast forward two years, okay. so it's like we're getting ready to redesign the loop we've built out talent in a way that's just like everybody's shocked and amazed how much we've been able to do. And we're, we're you know, getting ready to upgrade from vision to vantage point. So technology is, if any business isn't utilizing their technology properly at this point, well, that's because they don't want to. But I think COVID forced us to look at the tools that we had and the tools that we would need to keep moving forward. Yeah, I, t- I talked to you. A co- I talked to somebody yesterday, another guest on a di- on a show I did yesterday, and, and a guest on a show I did last week. And that that thread, and a lot of this stuff has been about like hybrid workforces, remote workforces, um, you know, innovation during during the, the pandemic. And that thread of like people innovating on the fly, you know, solutions that that actually, or even pivoting their businesses in some cases, or building out new business units has been rampant this week. It's, it's really, it's really been interesting because I, I kind of knew that, but I guess that I, it's it, like every, every guest I've had for the last four shows tells a similar story. So it's more of a theme than I, than I realized. Um, so, so with Dell Tech, that, that kind of helps you run your whole business. That's not an HR. I, I'm a, we're an HR show primarily. So most of our listeners come from human resources, but that is, that essentially runs your entire business, all your engineering functions, your documents, your talent, everything for you. Yeah. Right? So it's like a it's like an ERP, I think is what it, enterprise it, resource yeah, they, something. Or, yeah, yeah. They okay, sell cool. it as a uh, project management tool with accounting, but it's really like it's what do I call it? The epicenter of the organization because it does basically it causes interaction with everybody on every level. HR is involved, finance obviously accounting owns it, but the project managers have the data that they need. 
And then the beauty of it is there's other products that it feeds from. So it's, it provides data to other solutions. And we only got talent management in 2019. And we, so we were rolling it out at the start of COVID. And like I'd say within the last year, we've really done an amazing job building it up and rolling it out even further. And one of the positions we had to, we didn't invent, but we had to expand was we have business system analysts now whose job is it's in the IT realm, but its job is to make sure that the data can flow between the different systems. So, for example, I have an amazing rock star, Kelly, who manages the Dell Tech sphere, but from a content standpoint. <laughs> so she makes okay. sure that, like, if talent's doing something, that can talent actually talk to vision and is the data flowing correctly? So if she makes a change here, is it going to have a change there? And people are like, well, we don't understand that role. And I said, well, I don't understand it either, but I need it. Because <laughs> when I break something, Kelly, can you go figure out why I broke it? <laughs> and then she okay. works with the IT guy to figure out, oh, is there a technical thing on the back end that needs to be corrected? Or is it just someone being goofy with data flow? And these are new positions that I, maybe they were around before and maybe in different iterations. And we call it business systems because I don't have a better term for it, but she makes sure that the data can flow accurately between the different systems. And people are just like, but that doesn't make any sense. But if you actually take a step back and think about it, like if you break something in one system and that system's talking to another system, who's going to know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden all your data is yeah. all out of the control. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, let me, let me just get realigned here. Um, so are you guys still are you still primarily working remote? Have you come back to the office? Are you doing what some companies are called a <laughs> hybrid? Some days in, some days out. We, how, how are you configured from a business perspective today? We, we are heading towards a hybrid. But I mean, every time I'm ready to pull the trigger and say, okay, we're coming back, another variant pulls out and that comes out of Great. Delta, so we Omicron. <laughs> We were ready to pull it, you know, say, okay, January, that's enough. We're coming back. Here's a new hybrid. And then the Omicron hit, and I think half the company had COVID. And I was like, well, I'm not going to let people come back. <laughs> I don't okay. want to bring it into the office, so there's no benefit. We're hoping at some point earlier, hopefully sooner rather than later, we invoke our hybrid. And one important thing that we – and I'd be curious to know if other companies are dealing with this as well, is having to tell the employees, we're allowing the hybrid, we're allowing the flexibility – we need consistency, and also you can't just work from wherever you want. Because i got to tell you, if someone tells me they're going to California to work, I'm going to say you're fired. <laughs> I don't want to deal with the Californian <laughs> employment law. <laughs> yeah. The, the, so, you know, so serious. I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I I read and talk to enough people that I can tell you that all those things that you just said are happening to other businesses. And some businesses are accommodating them. Others are not. You know, I mean, it, it really – it really is unique to each each culture, I think. How you because 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 that's a great example of California, right? If you have an employee in California, and it's just one of of your hundred people, they get a, a significantly different set of laws that you have to deal with, and all kinds of regulatory stuff, yeah, and pay practices, and all these things. And so it's it forces businesses to really look hard at those kind of decisions. It's not as simple as it sounds, for sure. Yeah, New York is another one. Avoid New York and California. And Illinois is trying to keep up to be number three. 
All right. All of our listeners from New York, California, and (laughs) Illinois pay no attention to what this lady – no. No, there there are plenty of companies that are opting out of California. Hey, listen, we're down to like two and a half minutes, so let me me get to – share with us like one or two quick things that you learned out of all this. I think you've already commented on the big ones, but give us a couple of nuggets to kind of wrap up. What, what as you know, from a business perspective, what should companies be thinking about right now? Focus on moving forward. You can use your past as a, as a learning tool, but stop living in the past. Focus on forward. Pivot. Just because you did something one way and it didn't work doesn't mean you have to stay there. Pivot. If you have a solution that's not working, don't stay there. Find a way to make it move forward. Because it's one thing that I feel like we do too much. It's like, oh, well, we have this. We've invested too much. No, if it's not working, you're going to waste more money trying to make it work than if you just pivot and try a new solution and move on. Because it's, no, it's not worth anybody's time if you're wasting time trying to force a solution that isn't best for your organization. Just move on. <laughs> okay. Move forward, move on, my- and pivot. So a lot of, a lot of motion in your, in, your, uh, in your business philosophy, so that's cool. Um, we're down to less than 90 seconds. So uh, for those people who may listen that may want to reach out to get a bridge fixed or to talk to you about your leadership ability or just say hi, tell folks where they can find you or learn more about your company, and then we're going to go ahead and end the show. Uh, my company is D.B. Sterling Consultant, located in Chicago. We have website. We're on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Florence Sterling. Um, and yeah, it was a thank you for the opportunity to have this chat. It's been really fun. I hope that I was able to share something that people find interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I think you were a great guest, and I really appreciate you being on the show. And thanks so much. And have a great rest of the week. I guess we only got one day left after today, but enjoy that. And I will uh, send you the link for the show in a few minutes. All right. Take care. Thanks for thank, being our thank guest. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.